Matthew 2, 13 through 15. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. So back in the 50s and 60s, some of you can remember the 50s and 60s, right? Back in the, in the 50s and 60s, the, uh, the space race was capturing the imagination of people all around the world. Back in the 50s and 60s, people all around the world watched Russia and, and America competing to send satellites and people up into space. And, and that caused people all around the world to look up into the heavens and to ask the question, what, what is up there? Who is up there? Is anybody up there worth talking to, worth meeting? People all around the world became fascinated by, by the stars and distant galaxies back in the 50s and 60s. And as all of this was, was happening as the Americans and the Russians were, were sending satellites up into space. The Australians, way on the other side of the world, the Australians decided that they wanted in on the action too. Scientists in Australia decided they wanted to make their own contributions to, to our knowledge and understanding of the universe. And so the scientists in Australia got together and they decided to build a giant telescope. Uh, not, not the kind of telescope that you look through. What they wanted to build was a, a giant radio telescope, a sort of a, an enormous mechanical ear that they could use to, to listen to the universe and to hear what's happening up there among, among the stars. Now they knew, the Australians knew, that if this was going to work, if they were going to be able to hear what's happening way up there, then they were going to have to find a very quiet place down here. They knew they would need to get far away from, from human civilization. They would need to go out to a place where, where there wasn't all sorts of static and interference and noise from people doing people sorts of things. And so they looked and they looked and they went out way out into the outback, way out into the middle of nowhere. And finally they found a spot that was, was far away from cities, far away from many towns or villages, and they said, this is it. This is just the right spot. And there in that place, they started constructing this, this incredible piece of equipment. They built what was called the, the Barnes Radio Telescope. And the Barnes Radio Telescope is, is an incredible feat of human engineering. It's shaped like a, a sort of a satellite dish. The dish of the Barnes Radio Telescope is 210 feet across. That's about twice the width of this sanctuary. This, this enormous dish just the dish part of the telescope weighs a thousand tons. That's as much as, as two Boeing 747s. And the most amazing part of this great big satellite dish is that the scientists can move it, they can rotate it, they can tilt it, they can point it at whatever part of the sky they want to examine. They can listen to any part of the universe by moving this, this dish around. And that's what they've been doing since 1961. Scientists in, in the outback of Australia have been listening to the sound of the universe through this, this barn radio telescope. And it was in 1998, 20 years ago, that something really remarkable happened down there in Australia. In 1998, one day the, the Barnes radio telescope suddenly picked up a signal that
that was unlike anything that these scientists had ever heard or encountered before. It was, it was a, a burst of energy, a burst of radiation that only lasted for a, a few milliseconds. And the thing that made this burst of energy so remarkable was that it was incredibly powerful. It was incredibly intense. The scientists couldn't figure out what could have possibly caused such an intense burst of energy. All they knew was that it must have been caused by something that was capable of releasing an enormous amount of energy in just, just a fraction of a second. Well, the scientists, they scratched their heads and they puzzled and they wondered over what this signal could be. And then a few months later, it happened again. A few months later, they heard an almost identical signal and now the race was on. Now scientists all around the world put a hold to whatever project they were working on and they put their enormous brains into solving the puzzle of these mysterious signals. Scientists all around the world came up with with all sorts of theories as to what this signal might be. Some some scientists believe that it might be a a transmission from a galaxy far, far away. Some some scientists believe that maybe it was the sound of of a star exploding and becoming a black hole. Other scientists, many scientists, were were convinced that the source of the transmission must be someplace closer to Earth. They thought it might even be in our our own solar system. And they realized, they noticed that the the signal only came through when the telescope was pointed in, in one certain direction, in one certain part of the sky. And so they scoured that part of the sky. They looked at the stars in that direction. But no matter how hard they looked, they couldn't find anything up there that could possibly account for this signal that they were receiving. Scientists puzzled, they pondered, they wrote papers, they submitted articles, they held conferences for 17 years trying to figure out what was causing these signals. And all through those 17 years, the signals kept on coming. Not a lot. They would go for months without hearing one of these signals, and then all of a sudden there would be three of them in a weekend, and nobody after 17 years, nobody had solved the puzzle. Nobody had been able to figure out what was causing these mysterious signals from the far reaches of the galaxy. And then one day, after 17 years of not solving this problem, one day a scientist came along and asked a question that nobody had thought to ask up to that point. One day, a scientist who was visiting the the Barnes telescope just happened to ask the scientist who worked there this question. He said, when these signals happen, when you detect this this radiation, what, what is happening directly behind the telescope? Now, this scientist just happened to know that because of the way they're shaped, sometimes these giant disc-shaped, dish-shaped telescopes will pick up not only the sound of what they're pointed at, but also sometimes there's this phenomena that happens where they also hear the sound of whatever is located directly behind them. And so he asked the question, what what is in the other direction when you're hearing this, this noise coming through the telescope? And the scientists, they said, well, we don't know. And so they went back and they checked their records. They went back over 17 years of records and And they discovered something that they'd never noticed before. They discovered that every time they detected one of these signals, the telescope was pointed in exactly the opposite direction of the visitor center. And then, and then as they looked at their records, they noticed something else. They noticed that these, these signals almost always seem to happen right around the middle of the day. They almost always happen right, right around noon, right around lunchtime. And then, and then they noticed something else. They noticed that the, the radiation that they were detecting with their great big telescope pointed at the stars looked an awful lot like the kind of radiation that you find inside an ordinary household microwave oven. And, and once the scientists realized that they were looking at exactly 
exactly the opposite direction of where they should be looking. It didn't take them very long to, to solve the riddle. After some searching and after some experimentation, they discovered that, that these signals were actually being caused by a microwave in the staff lounge at the visitor center. When, when, when the people who worked at the visitor center went into the lounge and used the microwave to, to heat up their lunch, sometimes they would open the door of the microwave before the microwave was finished cooking their lunch. And every time that happened, just a, a tiny echo of radiation leaked out into the universe. And because the microwave was located so close to the telescope, it looked like an incredibly intense and powerful burst of radiation from the other end of the galaxy. Well, of course, the scientists all felt a little silly. They, they felt a little bit silly about spending 17 years and having all of these conferences and writing all of these articles and scouring the universe for, for eventually what turned out to be the microwave oven in their staff lounge. The, the scientists felt, felt like maybe they had, had, had looked ridiculous through all of this, but this, this saga, this story, this mystery of the signal at the Barnes Radio Telescope, it, it came to highlight a problem that scientists all around the world increasingly are facing. As our instruments are getting more sophisticated, as our ability to hear what is happening up there is becoming more and more sensitive, even as all of these technological developments are happening, scientists around the world are discovering that it is actually getting harder and harder for us to detect and hear and see what is happening up there. Why? Because there is so much static and interference down here. Scientists all around the world who want to study the stars are discovering that it is getting harder and harder to find a quiet place here on earth, a place that's, that's quiet enough that they can hear what is happening up there. It's getting harder and harder to hear messages from up there because there is so much noise and so much competition from other signals down here. And of course, you see where I'm going with this, right? This is not just a problem that scientists have. This is also a problem that people of faith have. People who are searching for God, people who want to hear the voice of God sometimes find that it's incredibly difficult to hear what is happening up there, messages from up there, because there is so much noise and there are so many distractions competing for our attention down here. Every so often, somebody will walk into my office and they'll sit down in a chair and they'll ask me a question. They'll say, Pastor, why is it so hard to hear the voice of God? You know, I read through, through the Bible and I see all of these stories of God speaking to people. People have conversations with God. God gives people visions and, and comes to people in dreams. And what I want to know is, why isn't it like that anymore? Why is God so quiet these days? Why doesn't God talk to us the way that God used to? And if you come into my office and sit down in a chair and ask me that question, here's what I'm going to say to you. I'm going to ask you my own question. I'm going to say, how do you know how do you know that God isn't talking to us in exactly the same way God spoke to people in the Bible? How do you know that God isn't speaking to us in exactly all of the ways that God always has? How do you know that the problem is not that God has stopped speaking, but that we have stopped listening? It's getting harder and harder to hear voices from up there because there is so much noise and static and confusion down here. When we read through the Bible, how does God usually speak to people? In what ways do we see God talking to people. The Bible tells us that often God will speak to people in a still, small voice. Let me ask you this question. If God were to speak to you in a still, small voice, how many times in your day is your life quiet enough that you would be able to hear a still, small voice? 
I have to make a personal confession at this point in the sermon. There is something I do that drives my family nuts. When I am at home, I almost always have earbuds in or headphones on. When I'm doing things around the house, I'm, I'm almost always listening to a podcast or a playlist to the point where my family are constantly having to repeat themselves because I didn't hear them the first time. And if I can't hear the voice of my wife who is glaring at me from across the living room, how am I going to ever hear the still, small voice of God? And in the Bible, we see that often God will, will speak to people by using signs. God will arrange things in the world in a way that gets people's attention and makes them sit up and take notice. And my question this morning is this. How, how could we possibly notice if God was sending us signs if we never look up from our screens to see what's actually happening in the world around us? You and I increasingly live in a world where people never look up to see what's happening in the real world. We spend four hours, eight hours, 12 hours a day staring at a screen watching what's happening in a, in a digital world. We never see what's happening right in front of us. And now some of you with gray hair might be feeling pretty smug right now. There are probably some, some people in this room right now who are saying, you know what, Pastor, I'm going to have you come home with me and preach this very same sermon to my grandkids who never looked up from their phones all through Thanksgiving, never participated in anything, never felt like part of the family. Here's the thing I'm going to say very gently. Nobody should be feeling smug right now. I want to very gently remind you that study after study after study tell us that the people who spend the most time looking at screens, the people who spend the most time each day watching television is not the teenagers among us. It's the over 65s. It's the people with gray hair. It's, it's the seniors among us. They spend more time looking at screens than anybody does. And so nobody ought to be feeling smug. Nobody is in a position to judge. We're staring at screens and not seeing the signs that God is trying to use to speak to us is concerned. And in the Bible, we see that God, God sometimes speaks to people in dreams. Sometimes the only way that God can cut through the clutter and the noise and static of our lives is by speaking to us while we are asleep. And that brings me to a very uncomfortable question. How have you been sleeping lately? Chances are the answer to that question is not great. We live in a world where people have even forgotten how to get a, a good night's sleep instead of going to bed at a reasonable time and getting a good night's sleep. What do we do? We stay up way too late staring at our screens, and then when we finally lie down, our brains are so overstimulated that instead of just drifting peacefully off to sleep, what do we do? We start making to-do lists in our heads, and we start thinking about all of the things that make us anxious. We spend the whole night tossing and turning, and then in the morning when the alarm goes on, as we stagger towards the coffee maker. We are in no fit state to remember our dreams, let alone listen for the voice of God in our dreams. Maybe the problem is not that God stopped speaking. Maybe the problem is that you and I have stopped listening. Maybe the problem is that our lives are too filled with static, too filled with noise and distractions, never quiet enough for God's voice, God's messages to cut through. Maybe, maybe the thing we need to do if we want to hear God's voice is to learn how to be quiet. And maybe, maybe that's why Joseph seems to hear God's voice so easily. You know, as we read these stories about Joseph, the, the earthly father of Jesus in the Gospels, one of the things that we learn about Joseph is not just that he's a righteous man. We learn that Joseph is also a quiet man. 
Do you know in all of the stories of the birth of Jesus, do you know in all of the stories about Joseph that we find in the Gospels, do you know how many lines of dialogue Joseph has? Do you know how many words Joseph speaks in all of the Bible? The answer is zero. The answer is none. Joseph never spoke a word that was recorded or written down in the Bible. All the other characters in the Christmas pageant have speaking parts. Mary talks to the angels. The the wise men talk to King Herod. The shepherds gather around the baby Jesus and, and they sing praises. But Joseph, through all of this, Joseph never says a single word. He is quiet. He simply listens his way through the Christmas story. And this is how I picture Joseph. When I picture Joseph, I picture him as a, a quiet man, a man who is good at listening, who spends all of his day listening to the sounds of the universe. The Bible tells us that Joseph is a, a builder. He's a a carpenter, a a contractor. But Joseph wasn't a contractor or a builder like like we have these days. You know, if you you go and visit the workplace of a contractor or a carpenter these days, I guarantee you that somewhere close by there will be a radio that is blasting the local classic rock station. I spent summers in college working with a, a contractor, and I've had enough Steve Miller Band and Leonard Skinner to last me for the rest of my life. Joseph, Joseph did not bring a radio with him to work. He would have spent hour after hour, day after day, focused on what was directed directly in front of his face. Joseph spent hour after hour, day after day, listening to nothing but the sound of his own tools. Joseph lived an intensely quiet life. He was somebody who was used to listening to the sound of the universe. And so when God needed to get a message through to Joseph, when God had an urgent message to deliver to Joseph, Joseph was already listening. Joseph heard the voice of God and he recognized the voice of God because he had heard the voice of God a thousand times before. Get up and go, God says to Joseph. Take your family and get away from this place of danger. Take your family and go to a place where your son can grow up in safety and in peace. Joseph hears the message. He takes his family. He gets up and he goes. And here's the thing I love about the Christmas story. You know, the first time we hear the Christmas story, it it feels like a fairy tale, right? The first time we hear the Christmas story, it feels like a story about a a magical world where God speaks to people and angels appear and and prophecies are fulfilled. The first time we hear the Christmas story, it feels like a a fairy tale about some other world. But the more we sit with this story, the more closely we listen to this story, the more easily we see that this is not a story about about some magical world. This is not a, a fairy tale. This is a story about our world. This is a story about the world that you and I inhabit, the world that you and I live in every day. This is a story about things that happen in a world that is very real and very recognizable to us. This is a story about a world in which God is constantly speaking to us and some people listen and some people don't. This is a story about a world in which people pick up with their families and become refugees and travel hundreds of miles trying to find a place of safety where their children can grow up in peace. And some people welcome them and some people don't. This is a story about a world in which God stands at the door and God knocks and God knocks. And over and over again, God asks us this question, can anybody hear me? Will anybody, will anybody let me in? Let's pray. God, we pray. God, we pray that you would make our lives quiet. Make our minds quiet. Make our hearts quiet enough that we can hear your voice. God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see your face in the face of the refugee. 
God, help us to remember when people knock on our door that your son once fled from a place of violence looking for a place of peace. That he once needed to get up and go. And God, we pray that when that moment comes, when your voice comes to us, when your son comes to us, we pray that you would give us the courage to open the door and let them in. In Jesus we pray. Amen.